Genesis 49 and verse number 8. Genesis 49 and verse number 8. If you found it, say amen. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. That's an interesting phrase to me. Um, it doesn't say on, it says in. You put your hand on somebody's neck and they can, they can get by it. But if you put your hand in somebody's neck, they're pretty well done. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him, shall the gathering of the people be. Just a note on verse number 10, where it talks about the scepter. It's talking about authority. It's talking about rule, a king's scepter. He said, the scepter shall not, not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Shiloh is the Messiah. This is a prophecy about the birth of Jesus that Judah is going to have authority until the Messiah comes until Jesus comes Judah is a lion's whelp I want to preach for a little while tonight an old message that I've looked at again and it's not about baseball, but I want to preach the Cubs win. Look at somebody and tell them the Cubs are going to win. Look at somebody else, tell them the Cubs are going to win. Lord, I ask you, God, to let the anointing of the Holy Ghost that has been so rich and powerful and thick in this place tonight. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to pour out your presence here. Speak a word of encouragement to somebody. Let it be done according to thy will, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. In Western cultures, we name our children particular names because to us, the name sounds nice. It has a ring to it, if you will. That is something that actually sociologists call euphony. Or they name their children because the name holds a certain sentimental value. Maybe you name it after an ancestor or something along that line, somebody that meant something to you. In Western civilizations, name 
don't hold extreme values anymore. But this was not the way they viewed names in the Bible times and in that part of the world. When scriptures were being written and the times that God was speaking through patriarchs and prophets and priests, they would name their children with something that gave a sense of spiritual significance. During the Bible times, names were extremely important. Generations ago, names not only designated who the person was, but suggested what kind of person they were. For instance, the name Adam means from the earth. It comes from a Hebrew word that means the earth or the ground, signifying that Adam was made of the dust of the earth. The fact that the Hebrew word Shem and the Greek word Onoma, both of which mean name, appear over a thousand times in the Bible. It gives us a certain indication that names in the Scripture are significant. To the Hebrews, a name was not a label or a tool to distinguish a person from another person. A person's name was viewed as equivalent to who they are intrinsically, character-wise, from a value perspective. A person's name signified who they were in all ways, their intrinsic worth, their character, their reputation, their authority, their will. Names for children were chosen carefully and without regard for how other children might tease them. Names were messages to the whole world. This is why when we come to God, we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because in the Bible, names mean something. Why would a book that values names from a culture that valued names and a God who valued names not give us a name to be baptized in? Amen. Think about it. A God that went so far out of his way to make sure that, that, that certain people had the right name. Why would a God that went that far out of his way to establish a name then make us be baptized in titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost? I'm telling you, he wouldn't do it. That's why he gave us a name that's higher than any other name. A name to which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. It's the name of Jesus Christ. We are the people of the name of Jesus. He put his name on us because that name represents all that he is. And when you see his name, you see everything that he is. Amen. That's why it's a privilege to be baptized in Jesus' name because he shared that awesome, powerful, glorious name with you and I. He put a name on us that put us in a place in his family. Amen. Is this all right? Is this okay for preaching tonight? Amen. The, the, in the book of Acts, they ask the question, what shall we do? What do I need to do to be saved? Tell me what I've got to do to be right with God. 
and the, the, the apostle Peter that had the keys of the kingdom said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Friend of mine, that is the greatest privilege and honor you could ever have is for the God that created everything to say, I'm willing to share my name with you. And then he said, be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Back to our text, names in the Bible certainly meant something. When Leah, the wife of Jacob, named his son Judah, when Leah named her son Judah, it was a proclamation that it no longer mattered to her what anybody else thought about her. She was going to live her life in praise to God. When she named her first three sons, she gave them names that meant see me, hear me, accept me. It was always about how somebody else received her. She was so concerned with how Jacob looked at her and how Jacob received her. But now, when she has Judah, she said, I don't care what Jacob thinks about me anymore. I'm just going to praise God for the rest of my days. Amen. And so she named her fourth son the name Judah, which is the Hebrew word for praise. It means to praise God. So think about it. Every time that fourth little boy needed to be called, when she looked at him, she said, come here, praise. Every time that he needed anything, she said praise. It was a reminder to her that every day of her life was no longer to be spent in response to how somebody else thought about her, but my life is to be spent solely, concentrated on how I give to God my worship and my praise. Amen. Judah is not just a name. It's a verb. It means to worship him. It's a verb that means to give him praise. And when she turned it from a verb into a noun, she changed everything because it means that praise is no longer what I do. Praise is who I am. Woo, glory to God. Oh, God. Now, now, look, I'm not very prideful, but that was a lot better preaching there for about 10 seconds than how you acted. I'm going to tell you, praise used to be a verb. A verb is action. It's what I do. It's what I do with my hands, with my feet. But when she turned it from a verb into a noun, it went from being what I do to who I am. Praise is not just what I do on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Praise is who I am. It's my relationship with God. It becomes identity. It's not just what I do. It's my identity. And if you ever get to the place in your life when praise becomes more than something you do just when you come to church, but it becomes who you are every day of your life, that's when you know you step to another level. I wish somebody would praise him right now. I wish somebody would praise him right now because that's who you are. That's what I am. That's what I was created to be. I was born to be praised. I wasn't born to give praise. I was born to be praised. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Oh, God, I like what I'm preaching right You may not like it, but my God, I like it right now. Because I wasn't born just to clap my hands. I was born to be praised in how I live and how I walk and how I talk and how I serve in everything I do. I'm not just to give praise. I am to be praised. It's my identity. I would rather people be more surprised if I don't worship than they are when I do. Amen. As far as I can tell, Judah had always just been a verb until the day that Leah used it as a name. Chapter 49 begins, and I need to get, I need to get a move on here. Chapter 49 begins with the sons of Jacob being called to him. Genesis 49 and 1, Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. He gets his boys together. And he says, come here, I got to talk to you guys. He gets all of his sons together. He says, I got to talk to you boys and I got to tell you what your life's going to be like. I'm going to tell you what's getting ready to happen for the rest of your days. So come and sit around your father for a minute. I got to talk to you. So he calls his sons together and he starts to prophesy to them what shall befall them in their last, in their last days. And so he starts with Reuben. His oldest son steps up, and, and he looks at Reuben, and Reuben's probably like, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest. I got the birthright. I'm the man. All these other chumps, all these other brothers, they're going to have to do what I tell them because as soon as daddy dies, I'm in charge because I got the birthright. I'm the eldest son. And he looks at Reuben. He says, Reuben, you are as unstable as water. You've never been faithful in your whole life. You've been up and down, in and out. You can't be counted on. Oh, God. Don't look, you all got quiet. I, 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 if I'm preaching to you, I don't know it. So, so if I'm not preaching, you ought to say amen just to throw somebody off the trail. Yeah. Reuben, you're unstable as what? I can't count on you. Every time I've needed you to be faithful, you weren't there. Every time I needed you to do something, I couldn't count on you. Reuben, you are as unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel. Can I tell somebody that if you never conquer the faithfulness issue, you'll never get anywhere with God? Amen. When you worship sometimes and not other times. When you come to church sometimes and not other times. When you serve sometimes and not other times. When you give sometimes and not other times. He said, Reuben, you are as unstable as water and you're never going to get anywhere until you settle the issue of being unstable. You don't have to say, man, I'm doing some good preaching right now. I hate to be the one having to tell myself that, but I'm preaching to somebody. You got to get stable. You got to be counted on. Man, Reuben, he, 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 he's, he's glad when, when his dad says, okay, Simeon, now it's your turn. And, and, and Simeon, Simeon says, now I'm, since he's not going to excel, that means that all, all the, 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 the birthright and inheritance is going to be mine. And, and he says, Simeon and Levi, I want you guys to come here. He said, cruelty are in thy habitations. Habitation is where you live. He said, you guys live to be mean. Man. You live to be cruel. 
And he prophesied over them. He said, cursed be their anger and their wrath. For I, for it, because you are always angry and always in wrath. He said, I will divide them. And I'm going to scatter them. And then Levi and Simeon go away. And Reuben and Levi and Simeon are over in the corner crying and hugging each other. And telling him, it'll be all right. He'll be dead soon. And then he looks at Judah, and Judah's like, oh, no. Surely he's not going to rip me too. Lord, don't let Judah, don't let Judah. Judah's saying, Lord, don't let my daddy get me like he did them. After his three older brothers scathing rebukes and disturbing prophecies, Judah had to have been a little bit nervous. How would you have felt? How would you have felt? You ever been, now, now, I may get in trouble for this. Lord, I hope that people in Indiana aren't watching right now. But you ever heard the term on a war path? And I remember one time I was a kid, I came home from school, and my dad said to my, me, we got off the bus, Sister Kathy, and my dad says, your mother is on a war path. I was like, oh, dear God. Can I go have eight more hours of school, please? I want the bus to turn around, come back, take me back. When, 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 when a parent's on the war path, you get hit by the shrapnel, even if it wasn't intended for you. I mean, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, man, they, they and, and Judah's like, oh, no, dad's on a war path. I'm in trouble. And so Jacob clears his raspy, aged voice and begins again in verse number eight. And he looks, he says, Judah... Thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Your hand is going to be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. He says, Judah, those guys, they're cruel, they're unstable, they're unfaithful, they can't be counted on. He said, but God's got his hand on you praise he said praise your brothers are going to come to you praise your hand is going to be in the neck of your enemies and praise all your father's children are going to bow down before you what an awesome prophecy that comes on praise I wish somebody would say amen. amen let me tell the worshipers in the house that praise overcomes his enemies and praise gets elevated by God. Don't, amen. Don't, don't make a mistake about what I'm preaching tonight. I'm not saying all you have to do is shout and clap your hands because true worship is a lifestyle. It includes prayer and faithfulness and giving and holiness and everything we do is worship, but it also includes praise. And there's a prophecy that came on praise Praise, I'm going to elevate you. Praise, I'm going to give you victory. Praise, I'm going to give you authority. Can I tell the praisers tonight, you ought to go ahead and be thankful right now because there is an amazing prophecy on the life of a praiser. Woo, hallelujah. All the praisers say amen. That's why it's got to be your identity because there's a prophetic power that comes on a praiser. Can I preach a little bit more, just a few more minutes? Later on in verse number 10, 
Jacob keeps on prophesying. He says, praise the scepter is not going to depart from you. There's always going to be power and authority in praise. Judah, you're going to reign forever. You're never going to, praise is never going to lose its power. And praise is never going to lose its authority. And then he has this prophecy about Shiloh coming. That it's the reference to Christ. That salvation is going to come through the tribe of Judah. And can I tell you that if we're ever going to have revival, it's not going to come through the sour. It's not going to come through the complainer. It's not going to come through the negative and down all the time. If we're ever going to see Shiloh come, it's going to come through the praisers. Amen. Not the ones that are worried about what song's being sung, just the praiser that says, God, I'm here for you. I don't care if they sing Mother Goose rhymes. I'm not praising them. I'm praising you. I wish somebody would say amen. Power. He said power and authority and salvation come through Judah. Anyone who says that praise isn't important doesn't understand the Bible. People may say it's emotionalism, but there is a prophetic anointing that comes on praise. Amen. There is a prophetic power over those who embrace a life of worship. I'm not talking about just praising on Sunday night and living like the devil the rest of the week. I'm talking about people that make their identity as a worshiper of God that no matter what, I'm going to be a praiser. And when you make that your identity, there is a prophetic power of God that comes on the life of somebody. That is a, somebody ought to worship him right now. You ought to lay your hand on that prophecy. You ought to lay your hand on that prophecy by praising God. Come on, let's do it for a minute. Let's praise him. Let's praise him, not because I'm telling you, but because you understand that there's authority that comes to the life of a praiser. I'm not praising him because I want authority, but I get authority because I made up my mind that my identity is a praiser. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like I'm almost done preaching. I'm waiting for the bomb to go off in the spirit here. When the father, the father begins to prophesy a little bit more, and in Genesis 49 and 9, he looks again at his son. And you got to understand, every time you see the name Judah, what he's really saying is praise. In Genesis 49 and 9, he says, praise is a lion's whelp. The word whelp means a cub. Judah is a lion's cub. Not fully grown yet. Still a little cub. Look at that. They have that picture up there. Isn't that a cute, cuddly little cub on the left, of, on my left, your left too now that I'm turned around. Isn't that a cute, cuddly little, little kitten? He says, Judah is a lion's whelp. Judah is just a little cub right now. Not fully grown. Not a fully grown lion. Just, just a little cub. No one's afraid of a little lion cub. They're, look at him. Look, he's, he's not there. He's fast. Look how cute and cuddly he is. Isn't he? Look how cute and fuzzy and cuddly. Isn't that, man, who, who wouldn't want to cuddle up with a little cute cub? But let me tell you something. If you ever see a lion's cub in the wild, you better run like the wind, brother. You ever see a little lion's cub, don't pick it up and cuddle it and play with it. You better get away as fast as you can because not too far 
from the lion's cub is the lion's daddy that's going to rip your guts out if you start messing with his little cub. That one's cute and cuddly, but that one there, that one has three-inch fangs, grows up to 10-foot long, has a two- to three-foot-long tail, weighs between 330 and 530 pounds, and stands four feet tall at the shoulder. Friend, that one's cute and cuddly, but that one's not something you mess with because when you mess with the lion's cub, the king of the jungle's coming after you. You may be bigger, badder, and stronger than the whelp. You may be a lot tougher than the cub, but just because you're bigger and badder than the cub doesn't mean you're bigger and badder than the cub's daddy. Judah is a lion's whelp. It's still small. It still doesn't look like much, doesn't present much of a challenge, but the other beasts of the jungle know don't mess with the cub because daddy's not too far away. To the world and to modern Christianity, my worship seems insignificant. My praise seems small. To denominationalism, it's just emotionalism. It's just being carried away. To the secular world, it's just a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo. But though it's that way to the world and to the rest of the religious world, may I tell you that the devil knows full well that the lion of the tribe of Judah will stand up for his cub. You don't have to respect my praise. My God, I feel like shouting a little bit right now. Woo, Jesus. You don't have to think my praise is anything. You don't have to respect my hand clap or my waving or my shout or my leaping for joy. You don't have to respect me leaping and dancing and tongue talking. But I've just come to tell you, you better be careful how you handle a worshiper. Because Judah is a lion's whelp and there's a daddy just waiting. There's something special to God about a worshiper. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, God will stand up and fight for his worshiper. God will stand up and fight for a praiser. The world might talk about you, but God's on your side. The world might think you've lost it, but God is for you. You may feel like my praise is so insignificant. What good can it do? What good can it do for me to worship? What good can it do? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm weak. I'm little. I've got no value. I've got nobody. I don't have any strength. I don't know if I can make it another day. But you are not just a baby. You're a lion's whelp. And the Cubs always win. Woo, I wish somebody praised him. I wish somebody that walked in this place feeling insignificant, like your praise couldn't do anything. I wish you'd let out a shout right now to let the devil know that you know who you are now. I know who I am now. I know who I am. I'm not just, I am a lion's whelp. My praise. You keep on praising mama, the devil's going to have to let your baby go. You keep on praising daddy, God's getting ready to move. You keep on praising wife, God's going to turn it around because you're not just a, you're a lion's whelp. Your daddy is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will not, he will not long stand by while you suffer. 
Lord. I don't want to just praise him when I'm in trouble. I want praise to become my identity all the time. When I'm on the mountain, when I'm in the valley, when I'm up, when I'm down, when I feel good, when I feel bad, when it's going good, when it's going bad. I want praise to be my identity because I need my daddy to show up when I'm in the middle of the valley. I can't fight everything, but I can be a praiser. Judah is a lion's whelp. Judah is a lion's baby. When begging won't get you into his presence. When crying won't take you to the inner court. When pleading won't do anything. You can always enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You don't have to be big. You don't have to be bad. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be intimidating. You don't have to be talented. All you have to be is a lion's whelp. All you got to be is a praiser because God, I got news for this world. I got news for the devil and I got news for the church. The lion's cub still wins. You're going to have victory. You're going to make it. You're going to get through it. But you got to let worship become your identity. Can I preach just a couple more minutes? Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. Woo, hallelujah. From the prey, thou art. Here's what the Bible in basic English renders this first part of this verse. Judah is a young lion. Like a lion full of meat, you have become great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard some crazy preacher on YouTube preach a kuna matata. It was the dumbest, one of the dumbest sermons I ever heard. Not the dumbest, but close to it. I didn't come to preach some foolish Lion King mess to you. What I've come to tell you is that the Word of God prophesied. Amen. That there is power and authority in somebody whose identity is wrapped up in their worship to God. Amen. Not somebody that's one way on Sunday and a different way on Monday. Not somebody that's, that's, that's talking in tongues on Sunday and gossiping on Tuesday. I'm talking about somebody that makes real worship their true daily identity. When you do that, the king of the jungle is going to stand behind you. He stooped down. He couched as a lion, as an old lion. Hallelujah. Who shall rouse him up? Who's going to stop him? Who's going to tell him what to do? After some victories, the cub has learned to lay down like an old lion, stretched out, lazy, uninterested, just letting the world go by. When praise gets lazy, it might as well not be a lion at all. A sleeping lion is no better than a dead dog. Amen. But by whom will his sleep be broken? Who's going to wake him up? I ask this question tonight. Who's going to wake up Judah's cub tonight? Who's going to be bold enough to say, I've let my praise lay down too long. I need to be stirred up. Who's going to be bold enough to say, I've let my, li- I've let my praise slack just a little bit. I'm going to stir it back up. I'm going to raise it back up because a sleeping lion is no better than a dead dog. That's what the Bible says. So look at somebody and tell them. Look at somebody and tell them, I dare you to wake the lion inside of you up. 
Look at somebody that you know has been struggling and been struggling with the enemy and been struggling with stuff. I want you to look at them. I want you to tell you, I dare you to wake the lion inside of you up. I dare you to stir up that lion that's inside. I dare you to stir up that praise that's inside of you. I'm preaching to somebody. I'm actually at the end of my notes. I'm not, you're not waiting on me now. I'm waiting on you. I'm just looking at somebody. I'm asking you, when are you going to stir up that victorious thing that's inside of you, that praise inside of you, that the devil can't stop, that the world can't stop, that the enemy can't over? When are you going to wake it up? In, come on, lion, wake up. Come on, Judah is a lion. Your praise is a lion's Well, Somebody ought to praise him right now. Come on, I'm done preaching. I, I am. I'm seriously, I'm done. You ought to wake up your praise right now. Somebody ought to revive and, and you ought to shake that lion inside and say, come on, it's time for you to wake up. It's time for you to get moving again. It's time for you to get stirred up again. It's time. Come on, you got to wake up the lion inside of you. Judah is a lion's whelp. Oh, somebody praise him right now. Somebody worship the Lord. Somebody glorify him. Somebody give him praise. Somebody wake up your praise right now. I'm getting myself stirred up. I'm going to have the greatest 2024. I'm going to have the best year I've ever had. I'm going to have victory. I'm going to walk in dominion. I'm going to walk in the glory of God. Not just because I'm shouting, but because I've made my worship. My, it's who I am. That's what daddy was telling Judah. He said, you can't count that, that unstable one. He's never going to amount to anything. Those ones that are always cruel, they're never going to amount to anything. But Judah, there's something about praise that daddy likes. There's something about praise that I can't put a curse on you. I can't tell you what I told Reuben and what I told Simeon and what I told Levi. Because Judah, there is a power that's inside of praise. But you got to wake up. Take somebody by the hand and raise the hand up high and just start praising God with somebody. Amen. If you ain't got somebody to grab the hand of, raise your own hand up and just wave it before the Lord. Praise is not what I do. It's who I am. Hey! Shalabokoshaya. Praise is not my Sunday night activity. It's my everyday activity. I'm not going to be a cuddly little kitten for the devil to play with. There's a lion inside of me and I'm, I'm going to be the devil's worst nightmare. Yeah, 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 come on, lift your voice. There's something happening here right now. Somebody's coming awake inside.
I'm coming through this anxiety. I'm coming through my fear.
Just for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 